Luke chapter 1, we'll read verses 30 and 31. Then we'll look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. Luke 1, verse 30 says, Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and, call, and shall call his name Jesus. In Matthew chapter 1, and verse 20, We see, but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And if you want to flip back over, Pretty confident it's Luke chapter 2. I don't have the reference up here, but Luke chapter 2, verse 21, there it is. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Let's bow our heads together and ask the Lord to bless our considerations this morning. Heavenly Father, we do praise you for the name of Jesus this morning. Every morning, Father, I trust in our hearts, even if not with our lips, Lord, we do praise the name. Above all names, I thank you, Father, for who he is. I thank you for what that name represents to us, Father. I thank you, Lord, that you have given that name to us, that we might hold it forth, Lord, as our banner, our shield, even at times, Lord, our own sword, Father, We thank you for the authority that is represented in the name of Jesus and that is ours to carry with us. Bless us in this understanding this morning. Bless us with the joy of fellowship in your word, I pray. Guide us and direct our thoughts this morning, I ask, in that precious name, Jesus. Amen. Uh, There are rather monumental moments in Scripture, we understand. I mean, all Scripture is something monumental when you consider that it's the Word of God that's been given to man. But there are different moments that you see in Scripture that just stand out as being, this was a moment. This was something that is impactful and something that that is broad-reaching. And certainly, I believe, without question, the naming of Jesus when the angels presented both to Mary and to Joseph that his name would be Jesus, and he was indeed named so, the name given by the Almighty God to that one that we celebrate his birth at this time of year, oftentimes, but we celebrate his life continually, and we reflect his life continually, day after day. When he was named, that was something that made a mark, that left an impact. It was a, a benchmark. Uh, Now, I'll just ask you parents who have had the honor of naming children before, did you put any thought into into what you named your kids, or did you just say, I'm not going to make fun or anything of the sort? Uh, Did you just off the cuff just say, "Eh, call him this, or call her that? I've heard some rather horrifying stories about naming children, uh, and yeah, some people might actually do such things, but I would imagine most everyone here... I know the names of all of you folks, um, particularly the young ones, and I know why these names were brought up. Even if it was something no more than, you know, just that you liked the name, but you thought about it and you considered it and you you applied it appropriately and and accordingly. We name everything. (laughs) Different people name Family stupidity. My truck, it's named Pike. <laughs> That's the name of it out there. Allie's a forerunner. She's named it, we named it Norrin. Uh, 
Jaden's car is named Spencer. I mean, it is, it is what it is, right? I don't know what it, what it is. We name our dogs, right? I love the Swanks' dog's name, Chief Brody. I just think just unique things like that. Uh, we name things because they mean something to us typically, and we give thought to it for whatever reason. You can ask them why they name their dog Chief Brody. It, it, they have a purpose and a reason. It's special, however, when it's your kid. It means something. Uh, for those to whom it means something. And you know, the Lord picked Jesus for a reason. Picked that name, Jesus. Of course, it means Savior. We understand this. Uh, But it's the Son of God. I mean, the only begotten, when you think about it. And the fact that the Lord put that name, that five-letter word, uh, for His Son, it's remarkable. And certainly, we understand that there's a measure of authority that comes with it. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9 says, Therefore God also has highly exalted him, has highly exalted and lifted up Jesus, and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under earth. The name Jesus itself is the name above all names. Now, we opened up with passages that are, well, Oftentimes considered at Christmas time, but this is no Christmas lesson. That's the last I'm going to talk about that birth. It's the last I'm going to consider. We're not even going to look at the manger. We're not going to consider any of those things. This is specifically in regards this morning to the authority that comes with the name of Jesus, whether it's Christmas time or any time. The authority that is granted to us to, well, as I prayed a moment ago, to actually use, uh, to use that authority and to recognize and I don't like the word, but to invoke that in authority that comes with the name of Jesus and the responsibility that comes with it. Uh, in doing so, I trust we'll celebrate the name of Jesus this morning. I appreciate it. I know that his name has become nothing more than a five-letter, four-letter word to a lot of different people. I trust that isn't... Well, I'm confident that that's not our approach to his name. That's not our concept of his name. His name means something to us. And that's what we're going to consider this morning. Now, you know, the name of Jesus is no magic word. It's not. It's not a magic word. Now, I don't want to sit and just be silly about things, but if the Lord had determined, if God had determined to name... I know a lot of people, so I don't want to throw out names of anyone that I know. But if you were to name him... If you had named him any other name besides Jesus, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I don't want, if he named him any other name besides, besides Jesus, okay, it would have meant something, certainly. Even if it had no meaning to it at all, it would have held the same measure of respect and honor that, that we hold the name Jesus in today, right? If he'd been named Stephen, let me just say it that way, if he'd been named Stephen, we would have held the name of Stephen in the same honor that we hold the name Jesus, Because it's who he was that put the power on the name. The name didn't put the power into the one. It just described who he was. He's a savior. He is the savior. Joshua was named the the same as Jesus. They're the same name, just just inflected differently. Savior. Deliverer. That's who Jesus is. But it's not a magic word. It's not. Listen, saints, I've come to the Lord and asked for things in Jesus' name. I, say, I would say, Lord, I want this, I need this, make this so in Jesus' name. I mean, invoking every bit of power that I 
could possibly draw out of it. And you know what happened? Oftentimes, nothing at all. Nothing that I asked for. And I would chase my tail in trying to reconcile to myself. Anything that you ask in my name, I'm getting way ahead of myself. Anything you ask in my name, I will do. And I'd chase my tail in my youth and my inexperience and even ignorance. I'll go so far as to say that. Ignorance that should not have been there in the time. Wondering why, what that exactly means. Uh, when he says that he'll do something, and in my mind and in my ignorance, it wasn't taking place. Listen, don't use Jesus' magic word. Let me say it that way. Don't use his name as a magic word. Through it, however, remarkable things have happened and will happen. Understand that through that name. Uh, If you turn to Acts chapter 3, I could take you to a whole host of different places where we understand and we can see the Lord working and tagging it or or blessing it in in his name. But I'm going to take you to Acts chapter 3 for our chief example this morning. Uh, In the name of Jesus, healings have taken place. Saints, you understand this. I've been healed myself, miraculously. You'll never convince me otherwise. And it's not because I'm stubborn. It's because I look at it and I recognize what happened. I've partaken in healings that were miraculous in the name of Jesus. And it took place. It was absolutely beyond what physiology and anatomy would allow. Uh, It was the Lord's work that took place. And those things will continue to happen, and they have happened since the very beginning. In Acts chapter 3 and verse 4, you know the story, if you know the song, certainly. And if you don't know the song, you might still know the story that Peter and John went into the temple. And there was a lame man that was there, and, well, they healed him. How did they accomplish that when he asked for those alms? It says there in verse 4, picking up in Acts chapter 3. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. I I love the drama of that. He was expecting to receive something of them. And, well, he received something. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. And it's much, much better. I hate to keep on adding words, but there it is. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And I don't have it up here, but I'm going to continue reading because it's worth reading. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising and praising God. And they knew it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement. And what and at what had happened to him. Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's. Greatly amazed. Man, that's a story there. That's a deliverance. That's a blessing. It's remarkable. It's fantastic. And we love it, certainly. But you recognize there's no hocus-pocus there. There's no abracadabra that was spoken, even though it does say, I don't have silver and gold, Peter said. But in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. It was an order. It was a directive, wasn't it? It was a commandment even. Uh, And he did. The results came. Healing happens and takes place. It has happened and taken place. And it will happen and will take place. I'm confident of it. 
in the name of the Lord Jesus. And we'll come back to this place here in just a moment, so you might put a bookmark there. Now, we understand that it is the healings that the Lord has done, that He did do when He walked this earth, as He said oftentimes, so that you might know the power of God, so that you might recognize the power of God to forgive sins. Let me show you what I can do in the natural. But it was always with that purpose, and so greater still, we understand, is the power to forgive sin. For salvation, for sanctification, and all of those things that are involved there. And we see the same thing in Acts chapter 4 as you flip over to the next page perhaps. This is after Peter had healed this one. And he's standing before that Jewish council that wanted to know what in the world was going on. Why in the world you're causing this turmoil. What happened here and, and, and by what authority and so on and so forth. And what does he say? What does Peter tell them there? In Acts chapter 4 and verse well, it says 8 in... Uh, well, let me see what I put up here on my slide. There we go. We're going to look at verse 10. Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead by Him, in His name, by Him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. And just so you know, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. In the name of Jesus, that one was lifted up certainly, but it's in his name that salvation comes. No other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Psalm 116 it's just one passage in the Old Testament that demonstrates that the same was true then, even if Jesus' name wasn't known. Psalm 116 and verse 12, kind of a subtle allusion to this, where it says, What shall I render to the Lord for all His benefits toward me? I will take up the cup of salvation. The cup of deliverance certainly from my natural things, but it's more than just salvation from the natural. It's salvation from eternal death. It's a salvation from sin. I will take up the cup of salvation. And then he associates there and call upon the name of the Lord. Jesus' name is that cup of salvation. It's the vessel, you might say. It's the authority that carries the power behind it. The power of the Almighty God. It is that kind of a vessel, if you will. It's kind of the conduit, if you will, by which we call the power of the Lord. Uh, that He has stamped for us and said, here's my signet ring of a a certain measure. I don't want to overextend the analogies and the allusions and the metaphors and that sort of thing. But there's a certain measure of stamping on it. This is my name. This is my, the way by which I do this. Through my son, he has authorized this. He has provided this. His blood was shed to purchase this act that takes place here in his name. It's the authority that carries the power by which we're cleansed from all sin, by which we are healed, by which we are empowered and enabled, by which we are called to do the things that honor God and glorify God, by which we do well, lay up riches and glory. It's through the name of Jesus that we're able to do this. It's that authority uh, that it represents. It's what changed us. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 gives a rather lengthy and un an unpleasant list of the things that we were before we were changed by the blood of Jesus. But afterward, such were some of you, Paul says, 
But you were washed and you're no longer these things. You were sanctified, but you were justified. I like how many words of exception are in there. You were this, but you were washed. But you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. There's authority that comes behind the name of Jesus. Authority is there. There's a power that God has at His discretion, His disposal, that we can tap into and do so in the will of God. So certainly there are healings that can take place, have taken place, will take place. Salvation, sanctification, justification, all of these things involved with our cleansing from sin, our walking in righteousness, all of those things we have the authority to do so in the name of Jesus, certainly. There are other things that were called more specific things, perhaps not as spectacular, maybe, if you turn back to Acts chapter 10. One of those things that's not as spectacular, but it's still representative of some spectacular things. Baptism, right? Peter answered in Acts chapter 10 and verse 47. Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. In Acts chapter 2.38, I'm sorry to zip you back and forth here, but Peter said to those ones, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. These things take place with that, that honor and that authority that's placed there. That stamping of, of this is my approval, this is my... <laughs> my name is Greg Grab and I approve of this message. It's that time of year, right? We're going to see that stuff uh, for some time. Uh, When you invoke the name of Jesus, when you place the name of Jesus, when you do so appropriately, when you do so mindfully and responsibly and truly in His name, it is not saying, this is my will. Do it, Lord. It's saying, I recognize Your will and I'm on board. I approve of this message is what Jesus says. If He doesn't approve of it, it's not in His name, is it? Again, I get ahead of myself. Baptism is one of those things he approves of. He wants us to make that public statement. So when we are laid down in the water, come up. It's not salvation there. It's just a figurative representation of our accepting that salvation and proclaiming it for all others to see who might be willing to witness. Uh, What else? What else there? Uh, Rather unpleasant. In the name of Jesus, we're able to do the things that We wouldn't do of our own volition, perhaps, in our own natural capacities. Some of those things include separation from those ones who are dear to us, not as pleasant as salvation, certainly not as spectacular to look at necessarily as healing. But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul says, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 6, says something very similar in 1 Corinthians 5, but I won't go there. I command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. And it goes on. My point is that the Lord gives that authority in Jesus' name to take the power that the Lord has available for us to do the things that we wouldn't do and couldn't do on our own in the natural as we do his will, as we ask him In Jesus' name. There are many other things that we are authorized to do, that we're directed to do, uh, compelled to do in the name of Jesus. So understand, saints, 
for this first point that there's power and authority behind the name of Jesus. Power and authority that accompanies that name. Uh, We are his ambassadors. We are his enlisted soldiers. We are and can be his fellow workers. And so he gives us the authority to carry that flag, as it were, to carry that banner. I mean, well, each one of us, I would assume, would claim to be Christian, right? That's more than just a title, you understand. That means to be as Christ, like Christ, with Christ, and joined to Christ, Christian, Christ-like is what it means. That's the name of Jesus that's there, and there's authority that's there. Now, this power and this authority that's there, as I mentioned a moment ago, the Lord is so confident, so sure of it, not just confident in himself, but so matter-of-fact of the capability of that power, that he made a promise while he was here. Uh, and here's the promise that he made. He said, whatever you ask in my name, that troublesome thing that, well, I used to chase my tail on and ram my head against the wall and considering, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And in case you didn't catch it, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And so those are the, the that's the troublesome part that I, that I struggled with. Uh, was if you ask anything. <laughs> Man, I hate to just always put in Greggy anecdotes, you know, but that's just what I have to deal with oftentimes. But I remember sitting in my room and saying, I didn't have this with me, but something, of, maybe a G.I. Joe or something. Make it float in Jesus' name. <laughs> you know, Ooh, it never happened. Still a little disappointed? No, I'm not disappointed. Give me a break. It's not the Lord's prerogative to satisfy our foolish, our foolish whims. Does that make sense? Did it encourage my faith to sit there and think, well, the Lord didn't float G.I. Joe. I wonder if he even saved me at all. No, I didn't have that thought, actually. Always, always that new creation reminded me, Greggy, you need to understand. Because he didn't do what you asked doesn't mean that he's wrong or incapable. That means that you're wrong and incapable, okay? Get, get with this, okay? Something's wrong there. And if you look at yourself sincerely, and if we consider ourselves in honesty, we do recognize, well, again, if we'll let the Lord lead us in that and lean into the new man and lean into the spirit and ask him to truly show us, the Lord's not hesitant to show us where we have improvement. Uh, well, it's necessary. And he'll let us know. And I recognize that. What is the deal here? The point is not if you ask anything, so ask anything. You know, no, the point is in my name. Whatever you ask in my name. And so I would imagine most of you, if not all of you, if you've spent much time in the Word, you're not as uneducated or ignorant in the Word as I was at that time when I was asking him to float action figures in in my room. If I were to die today... Uh, and leave my will behind and have someone be my executor of my will, then what they would do is they would recognize what my desires were written out, and they would make sure that anyone who came to me making that request from my estate, as long as I okayed it, sure, you can have whatever it is, provided that he, provided that he set that aside. Now, uh, that means that if someone were to come and say, I want Pike, <laughs> you know, 
and it's not set aside for you, sorry, you can't just take that. And if you were to take it, it's not in my name, and it'd be theft, and it'd be felony, and it would be outside of my will. It really is that simple. It really is that simple when you get right down to it. Listen, Jesus said when he was walking this earth, he said he only and always did what pleased the Father. Only and always did what pleased the Father. Has something changed now that he's in glory, seated at the right hand of God? Nothing has changed. He only does what pleases and glorifies his father. And I'll tell you what, seeing snake eyes, my little action figure, floating across the room was not going to glorify the Almighty God. So my asking him to do that would have had to change Jesus' character, change God's character that somehow he glorifies me instead of him. So how can I expect that that would be in the name of Jesus? It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be. When I ask him, Lord, heal this man, Heal this in the name of Jesus, and it doesn't happen. Why? Isn't that a great thing? Wouldn't that be a fantastic thing? Yes, to our flesh. It might be absolutely remarkable. Absolutely, essentially remarkable. This must be so, and that's where people get so closed-minded and so dismissive of God because they're looking at things through their own very, very boxed mind. They think that Christians are, are closed-minded, short-sighted and all of these things. I tell you what, my mind isn't closed to anything. <laughs> my mind isn't closed to anything. I absolutely believe that if God wanted to stop the earth right now and spin the axis the opposite direction, He could do it. I absolutely believe He can heal whomever is suffering even now. And I absolutely believe that if I say heal Him and He doesn't, it means that that's not what's going to be best for that one. It's for His glory, not for my glory. Okay? Not for their glory. The Lord has a purpose and He has a plan for that one. And far be it for me to say, do my plan, but put your name on it. Have my way, but I want to make sure, I want to make sure that I get the pat on the back for trusting in you for it. No, that's not how it works, saints. Asking in Jesus' name is not a magic word to put on something. Asking in Jesus' name requires us to recognize what Jesus wants done, recognize His will, perhaps the details in the very moment. In that very specific moment, the Lord can give us the details. I want this to happen. Again, getting well ahead of myself. Uh, But that's what happened there in Acts chapter 3. Sometimes we don't know what the Lord wants for us, and that's going to take a different approach, and we'll talk about that here in just a second. But to ask for anything... That doesn't please our Father, does not contribute to glorifying God, is to ask outside of the will of Jesus, who always and only did what pleases Him. And so it cannot be in His name. can't be. So just remember that when you're considering to yourself, in Jesus' name, do this, if it doesn't happen. Perhaps uh, you're asking apart from the name of Jesus. So... A quick go-to example that I always tend to go to in regards to trying to make that magic word work. This is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. I probably go here more often than I should, but Acts chapter 19 and verse 13. Uh, People try to use the name of Jesus as a magic word without recognizing the will that's behind it. At this time in Acts chapter 19, Paul was doing some rather... Well, it says unusual miracles in verse 11 of Acts chapter 19, but they were special miracles for that time 
that the Lord was using to establish Paul, establish his gospel, establish an understanding of the power that was present in that time, so that there was even, well, healings and, and evil spirits being cast out in really remarkable ways. That didn't necessarily continue at large. Doesn't mean that it couldn't. That being said, we see here in verse 13, Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists, vagabonds, ones who were kind of waffling between things, not really committed to anything. You might even say Laodicean Jews, quote-unquote Laodicean, not hot or cold. Wandering Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. Here's the magic word. Man, you see what happened there? Man, this is, man, you see what Paul is doing? And it's in the name of Jesus. Lohamora. Man, let's keep this magic word here. Abracadabra, hocus pocus, whatever it is. Uh, we exercise you by the name of Jesus, it said. They called the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Man, is that waffling? That's, the, that's saying, I don't even... I, I don't know who he is, but there's some magic here. The key term there being these ones took it upon themselves. They took it upon themselves, not Jesus' will. It was what they wanted. Uh, We exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. In verse 15 it says, The evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, who are you? (laughs) You are nobody, because they didn't know Jesus. They didn't know the power that they were, well, that they were kind of trying to tap into. Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. The name of Jesus is not a magic word. The name of Jesus isn't just some, some sword that you can pick up and start swinging around just all willy-nilly, if you will, trying to just do this or do that. Okay, that's what he did. I can do this as well. In Jesus' name, do this. In Jesus' name, I want this. In Jesus' name, I'll have that. In Jesus' name, I I believe this is going to take place, or this should take place. His name's not a magic word. It's just representative of authority and power that is way beyond. Way beyond anything that we comprehend or fully understand. And those ones who look to empower their own desires with the name of Jesus are picking up a sword that they don't recognize and they don't understand. And they will hurt themselves. If you go into my parents' house, man, they got weapons on the wall. Weapons on the wall. Uh, yeah, they got, there's a bunch of wooden swords, and the more dangerous stuff is down here where the kids can touch it. You know, there's, there's <laughs> nunchucks, and their dad has a handle with a, it's like the old mason chain, is that what it's called? Handle with a chain, a big old spiked ball in there. I mean, the good stuff is there. And that's not to mention the firearms that he used to have and all those things. I'm not sitting here telling tales on my dad. I'm just saying, there's a lot of stuff there that I'm like, Whew, when Emmy comes over, I need to make sure she stays away from this, from this wall. Because if she goes and picks up the mason chain and starts swinging that thing around, yeah, she's liable to hurt us or, or something like that. But more than likely, she's going to pick something she's not qualified. She's not trained in that. And she's going to end up taking a ball right to the head or something like that because she doesn't know what she's dealing with. Saints, you take the name of Jesus and put His will on something that we want, you're picking up a power that you have not been equipped to deal with. Uh, I'm just going to leave it there. If you mess with things, 
and try to make your way God's way instead of making God's way your way. You aren't prepared to deal with the fallout that can come. You can actually harm yourself or others by misappropriating that authority and making your will what his will is. Now, if that sounds limiting to you, if that sounds like, well, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> you know, this sounds, this sure sounds really convenient that we can't just, we have to ask him for what he wants. Well, yes. Is, isn't that right? If you want something from me, you'd better ask me for something that I want to give to you. Otherwise, you're going to be assaulting me to get it. Otherwise, if I say, this isn't what I have for you, well, then you're going to be doing something criminal. Criminal against me, you might get away with that. But doing something against the will of God, you won't get away with it. The Lord will deal with you. It will take place. Miracles today take place in the name of Jesus. When we call out on his name and he has a desire to heal because he wants the good for that person and those ones that person might impact. He sees the big picture. He sees the tapestry and how that thread deals into this whole entire thing. He knows if that's going to be a blessing and something for the greater good for all them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Likewise, he knows that if he fixes this thread right here in a natural level, it's going to do something catastrophic on the spiritual level. Or at least have the potential to as it ripples out. You might think it sounds limiting. It's not limiting. We're, we're dealing with an unlimited power and we're dealing with a mind who recognizes how that unlimited power can do unlimited amounts of good. Uh, and he wants to do good for us. We have the right to speak and act in the name of Jesus in the appropriate manner. We have the right to call out in the name of Jesus and be right in everything that we ask of him. You understand? Each one of the ones that prayed this morning made a lot of requests of the Lord, brought their supplications, all of our supplications to the Lord, and each one of them, to a man or woman, as it were, at the end, said, in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Now, how come... How come we haven't seen the healings? How come we haven't seen the salvations that so many of us want so badly? How come we haven't seen all all the things that we have asked for? Well, in part because we ask amiss. Now, I don't want to say that we might just consume them on our own lusts or our own desires. As is often the, the issue... Our lusts and our desires aren't always misguided or or aren't always sinful, but they're always, if they're our own desires and we haven't considered the Lord's desire in it, they are misguided and they are wrong. It's because when we ask these things of the Lord, well, if you ask appropriately, say, Lord, I want Brother Alan Serber's shoulder to be completely healed and pain-free in Jesus' name. It doesn't happen. Don't be... Don't be sad at it. Uh, Recognize that you can still have, you can still be right in that. I want Brother Alan Serber's shoulder to be completely healed and completely pain-free right now. If it's your will, Lord. If it will do good for him. If it will do good for us as his assembly. If it will do good for the body of Christ. If it will glorify you in that healing. That's what I want. But if not, oh Lord, don't do it. 
Don't do it, Lord. Be glorified in whatever it might be. And oftentimes that is the case. Saints, I know I am not alone in saying I've prayed for different ones of God's people to be wrecked. Wrecked, naturally speaking. Because they have pushed pushed and pushed and disregarded. And I ask, Lord, bring them absolutely to the bottom. Rock bottom so that they might see that they have nowhere left to go. I've prayed for such things. And the Lord has given me such things to witness someone hit rock bottom. And that's where they find Jesus oftentimes. The Lord understands that. Oftentimes, the feel good and the provision in the moment to have deliverance from the, what, the burdens and the weights and all that, oftentimes it's not what's best for us. Oftentimes what we think looks like what's godly and what's right and is the purpose for us, oftentimes it's not at all. Not at all what God would have for us. So we always ask Him, this is what I want, this is what I'm looking at, this is what I desire, and this is what I think is appropriate. In Jesus' name, your will be done. I trust you for this. It's not a caveat. It's not a disclaimer. It's not anything. It's, it's responsibility and maturity in Christ and coming to the Lord, asking Him to do what's right and what's good. We simply need to approach the Lord appropriately, as Peter and James and John and Paul and all these other ones have. How do they do it in Acts chapter 3? Let's look at, the, at them for this example as we start winding things up here. In Acts chapter 3, how did they do this? How did they do this seemingly magical thing then in healing this one? Well, they approached the Lord appropriately. And there are a couple of different ways. Ways to uh, ask for the Lord's will and approach the Lord's will and do something in Jesus' name when He may or may not want to do something remarkable and spectacular in the moment. The first thing to do is open up your heart to the Lord in the moment, for the moment. Okay? When, you, when we pray for these ones over here in the corner, you know, it's rather important. You know, it's not just rather important, it's important. Because we are bringing them to the Lord, fully expecting, fully knowing that He will have His will, but knowing that He can heal. And you'll hear the different ones who pray. I, I have yet to hear anyone say, Lord, heal them, that's it. No other way. But if I heard someone say that, I'm going to be honest, I'm not trying to throw flowers at anybody. The ones who come up here and pray have the maturity of recognizing that if they said, Lord, heal this one in the name of Jesus, my index of expectation is going to go up remarkably. Because I know the ones who come over here. That they have sought the Lord and perhaps they heard something in the moment. I think that's what happened here with Peter and John. I think that they were open in the moment to what the Lord was saying in the moment. I think there was an understanding of what the Lord wanted to do. There had to be because Peter said, he didn't say, Lord, if you will, pick him up. He said, you rise up and walk. Man, that's an order. That's a command. That's a demand. And it opened up the possibility of real embarrassment, right? Rise up and walk. You know, I don't want to imitate because I don't want to look like I'm mocking anybody. But he's like, I can't. I can't. I, I can't get up and walk. No, he gave him an order, and he commanded him, and that one got up, and he was walking and leaping and praising God. How dare Peter say that? Because God told him in the moment, I believe, this is what I want to do right now for this one. You speak the words that I have to say. I think that that's what was taking place there. 
in Luke chapter 12 and verse 12, he said the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say when you're in front of the magistrates and all of that sort of thing. Do you think he can do the same thing in the moment when there's a need present and the Lord wants to do something spectacular? I think that that's exactly what was taking place when Peter was looking at him. Fixing his gaze on him, I think he was having a conversation with the Lord. I don't want to overextend. I think he was looking at the Lord. And the Spirit of God was filling him in on what he wanted to do and how. And he recognized that there was faith there. And he recognized that he was given to speak in the name of Jesus. And he said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And that was it. That usually requires a measure of closeness on the part of the one who is speaking in the name of Jesus. It requires a measure of closeness, a measure of understanding, a measure of tenderness and submission. Oftentimes, the Lord can do something rather remarkable in a moment, sure, but it usually takes our commitment to listening to the Lord, making it our habit of hearing the Lord, recognizing His voice when He speaks to us, you better have that confidence. And by golly, Peter did. He recognized in that moment. And he spoke what he did because the Lord led him. He and John were walking close to God in that life, in their respective, in their respective lives. And God's easier to know and to understand and to obey when we're walking near to Him. He can speak very clearly to us. Now, there's a different approach. That's kind of a micro approach in listening to the Lord for the moment. Oh, the Lord doesn't always speak to us. Can we still ask for things in Jesus' name? Yeah, we take a macro approach to things. It's not just knowing the Lord's will for this moment in this specific situation, but knowing God's will for everything. Understanding what He wants in all things. Paul told the Ephesians in Ephesians 5.17, Don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Not specifically necessarily for this moment, but understand who He is and what He is. He he wants us to get the overall. We have the authority to recognize what God wants to do in people, what He wants to do in the body of Christ, what He wants to do with mankind. We understand this. It's the same authority, I believe, that He's talking about in John chapter 20 and verse 21. Another passage that people oftentimes get mixed up. And there are a lot of things that are being presented here, and I'm not going to get into it too deeply this morning, but that same authority of understanding and, com- and comprehending what God wants to do is what he presented here to the disciples. John 20, verse 21, this is just prior to his being ascended. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, also I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And then he says those words that people struggle with. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Did the disciples have the authority to condemn this one here, despite what God wanted in that one? You know what, Lord? He's never accepted Jesus, but I forgive him, so he's coming up. No, that's not what it is. He had taught these ones what to know of Jesus. He taught these ones what to know of salvation. He taught these ones how to teach salvation, sanctification, and all of these things. And they had the authority to recognize and identify after they had taught these things that this one here is indeed forgiven. And let them know that. Confirm that. And indeed, pray for that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, welcome this one who has accepted 
Saints, it's understanding the will of God. Understanding who He is. Understanding what He wants, oftentimes from a macro, widespread, broad viewpoint. And we can ask the Lord's, well, for His power and His will in Jesus' name in those things. We know He can heal. He might not always. We know that He can withhold healings. Sometimes He does that. Oftentimes He does that. We know that He desires all men to be saved and come to a saving knowledge. We understand this. We can pray for that. But we also know that He doesn't force that on anybody. So we can't demand, Lord, this one is saved. It it is. Listen, I'm asking in Jesus' name. We can't do that. It's outside of His will. We understand that in the absence of knowing the details and the specifics for this situation, that we ask the Lord for His will, understanding what He wants to do in the overall, and do so in Jesus' name. Saints, pray in Jesus' name. Ask the Lord for His power in Jesus' name. Ask Him for His will in Jesus' name. Certainly ask for the things that you want, that you feel that you need, In Jesus' name. But always, always, always recognize and understand that we need to be mindful of that. Responsible with that power that we're trying to call down. It might be nothing more as a result than our own embarrassment. When we say, this is what is going to happen in the name of Jesus. And he says, oh yes. No action. And we get embarrassed. We get humiliated. Be grateful if that's all that the result is. Because far too often, people want to do something, want to see something, want to have something. And they put Jesus' name on it. And it ends up being a wreckage to them, a wreckage to those that are around them, a hurt to those ones that are within their sphere of influence. And it didn't have to be so. Saints, use the name of Jesus. I'm grateful that Joseph and Mary listened to the angels and said, Indeed, He will be named the Savior. He is the Savior. Use His name, but do so responsibly. Do so mindfully, do so joyfully as we seek the will of the Almighty God in the name of Jesus.